Okay, y'all. We are back in the car. Back, biggity, back, biggity, back, 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 biggity, back, biggity, back, back, back. Thank you for that very, very New Orleans intro. You're welcome. <laughs> we are back in the whip, y'all, and we are Sidebar Josen. I'm Bree. And this is Steffi. And we clearly um, are falling off the course, the track here. We we have not recorded for, I feel like, was it been two weeks? I don't it's know. only been a week. It's only been a week. Oh well. An extra week, yeah. We're we are getting back on track, y'all. We um apologize. But anyway, we are here to entertain you with our shenanigans and um late night musings about the day to day antics of the people, both famous and non. So why don't we go ahead, get into it, um, sit back, relax. Trim your chin hairs. Girl. And um, let's get into it because we chose So how have you been, Duff? I've been... Girl, I've just been rolling. Like, I've been having a lot going on. I can tell. So I've been, like, keeping it moving, you know, forgetting shit. Mm, what have you been forgetting? still. I've been for what have I been forgetting to do my work? Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> amongst other just like little random things, like oh shit, I forgot to do that. I gotta do that. But um, I have been all involved in Jazz Fest as of last week. Mm-hmm. Last week I performed um, with two different groups. It was really fun. Um, I had a great time. Um, it was very exciting. And then I also got to see Al Green in concert. And that's one of my favorite things about Jazz Fest is getting to see, like, the old timers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, because I always, like I said, I think I said this before, like, I regretted not seeing Prince. I regretted not seeing, mm. like, Michael, you mm. know, different people who passed. So, this week, I'm trying to get into Jazz Fest. So, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I have a little, like, hustle up my sleeves. So, hopefully, it'll happen. Yes, hustle. <laughs> not for real, though. Like, I-, I feel you on the whole going to Jazz Fest to see the people that you would not normally see on tour. Mm-hmm. Like, um, that's why I love Essence Fest and Jazz Fest. Because they bring out the artists that are um, just, you know, relaxing in retirement right now. And they're right. going to ease on up on stage and hit you with a couple of hits and go right on back to their bed. <laughs> so I I didn't see Al. I missed Anita, which made me upset. But I forgot why did I miss an- Anita Baker. She performed this year? Last year. Oh, last year. I saw her last year. Um, But Since I can't remember. Died. I think I was out of town or something. But, no, I heard she 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 killed that shit. Oh, I saw it. Yeah? Yeah. And she she did her best. Yeah. As an older woman who had not been singing for some time. Really? And who has lost some of her vocals. Between every song, she stopped and talked to, like, kind of oh, catch her group. wind. Oh, yeah. well, I mean, I still heard it was a really good show. She was still good. I'm, I'm I, I wouldn't, mad I I wouldn't say, like, oh, my God, I'm so mad that I actually, you know, went and took my time to see that. No, it wasn't that at all. But it was right. just, like, she's not who she used to be. Okay. Well, and yeah. I mean, that's for any artist. I heard that Al Green had to do a lot of sitting yeah, um, for his show. So, he I mean, did. if they still got the vocals. He sang his little ass off. Though. Yeah, like, I mean... By all means, perform. And his, his, I would also say his band was better at carrying him. Okay. Than, than Anita's was. She, okay. She probably needs a little bit better of a band. 
Okay. And that's important because the musicians do play a very significant role in the show. Mm-hmm. So, um, speaking of shows. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. By the way, this episode is going to be another one of our shooting the shits um, because... Um, it is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we want to make sure that we prepare some special episodes for you guys. Mm-hmm. And so, in preparation for that, we're going to just take this episode as like kind of a, um, you know, just laughing. Like I said, shoot the shit and stuff like that. And we'll be brainstorming on what we can give to you guys for May in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month. So, yes, yes, yes. Um, stay tuned for that. But, um, yeah, no, speaking of, of shows, um, Mayo Cella. Girl. I called it a couple of things on Twitter. I called it, um, the Metairie Monstrosity. The Metairie Monstrosity. The Covington Catastrophe. The Covington Catastrophe, okay. The A Meet Awfulness. All right. The Harahan Horror Show. Mm-mm. <laughs> I forgot what else I called it, but like it was honestly, honestly, I was con. All right, so peep game. Um, Taylor Swift was uh, performing at the Billboard Music Awards, Mm -hmm. and she was performing her new song um, called "Me," and um, she came out to the um sounds of a um of a of a uh the drum line of a marching band mm-hmm. of, a, of a not you know yeah like of a marching band uh-huh. and people have been saying that she has um bitten straight from Beyonce's Coachella performance which was a transcendence of excellence like whatever you can go beyond excellent Mm -hmm. that's what Coachella like Beyonce's Coachella was it it, she honored HBCUs from the bands to the dancers to the Greek life Mm -hmm. to just the entire experience it was it felt like a homecoming experience and um oh I see what I called it she gave a snippet of black HBCU Black Excellence. Mm-hmm. And what uh, the other thing that I called Taylor Swift's uh, performance, The Destrahand Disaster, was... I was um she So she um, decided that she was going to come in with that. Now, I don't know... Of course, we don't know what was happening in, in the room. Um, we were not a part of the creative directive direction team or whatever like that to understand why they chose to have her come out to a drum line. However, the optics, of course, looks like, yo, um, we were just celebrating, um, Beachella Mm. and we know what Beachella was about. We know what Beachella did. And so now it looks like you just hopping on the wagon. And that was, um, it looked extremely desperate to me. Caucasian. Yeah. And the move was desperate. The overall look of it was very whitewashed, yes. It looked, honestly, like the, the band members looked like what you see in a Metairie parade. and. Right. And, I mean, that's what you would expect at a merry parade. They don't be bouncing and jerking and bopping and booping like the people. 
that's what they sounded like to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> rat tat tat <laughs> but, but it was like, okay, so obviously this kind of like this um drum beat obviously is is a part of the, the song. But I I just I just wouldn't have done that drum line. Like it looked real corny because of home you know like homecoming just came out and it does look like a direct bite and man they have been flaming taylor swift on How twitter can it not be a direct bite because it, 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 it to me it is. is to me it is it just is somebody on her team said you know what we saw how successful and great everything went with the um with beyonce and the shout out to um bands and live like the live at coachella Right, but I think where they made the mistake is they prepared for this, but I don't think that they prepared. They didn't know that homecoming was coming. I think that may have happened, and that could be the case because homecoming dropped what two weeks ago now. Yeah, did we know that it was dropping? Like how long? Did no, we, we didn't know. Dropping? That was a surprise. Beyonce exactly. has since self-titled. Beyonce has not given a single solitary fuck about right. prepping anybody for anything that's going to be coming our way. She says, "You guys." Are going to take it when I give it to you, and you're going to enjoy it, and I am going to revel in your excitement and bathe in your coins. Mm-hmm. So Beyonce doesn't tell you when it's happening. So the homecoming just dropped on the anniversary of her performance, and it was like, right. So with what? that being said, like Taylor's team, <laughs> if they arrange this, they were prepping for this. Could club. not have probably. I don't know how long, but they could not have fucking known that that homecoming was going to come out and it was going to remind us all of exactly where the Taylor got her got her show from. Yeah, so like to be completely objective, big embarrassment. Yeah, really. Yeah, because honestly, yeah, no, to be completely, totally objective, they probably like any live performance. They have prepped for this for maybe a a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, once they've discuss, you know, once they find out that they're being as, you know, they're going to perform at these award shows, then of course they have to prepare to perform at said award show, and that's not something that you pull together in two weeks because right. there's a lot of moving pieces and um to that. So yeah, no, they probably had the drumline idea, you know, laying in the cut, and then Beachella dropped, and there was nothing that they could do, nothing that they could absolutely do about there was it. Like nothing they could do. Like what else are we gonna do with the show now? We can't scrap it. We can't do it. shit with the show. We can't scrap And, and the, I bet somebody on that team, they anticipated this. They knew the moment that that first whistle was blown in that performance, which I watched it up until they started dancing around her with the handbags. And I mean, the song is... is I'm not much it's, of a Taylor Swift fan it, at all. It was pa- nice and pasty. It was... As it, pasty as those pastel colors on that performance. It, um... It was something that could have been left in the bin, in my opinion. But I mean, this is that's that's not my lane as far as music and I'm is definitely concerned. Definitely not part so, of her audience. So. Yeah, that's she was. She doesn't make me for me. Right. She made me for Taylor Swift fans. Exactly. So for the Swifties. So yeah, no, I think the, the we should call them like the, the little, Swift of sweepers. <laughs> I like Swiffer Sweeper colonizing. You colonizing Swiffer Sweepers. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, the other honestly, thing is, yeah. the award show may have asked for this for a band. 
they could have i mean again the backstage like what happens in the creation of these shows we as the mere peons who participate in um just the you know watching of these things we don't know we have no idea so maybe that was a part of the plan since day one when she thought of the first time she would do a live performance she could have been inspired by this because yeah. baychella is, is april 2018 she could have been waiting to have the moment to have a drum line. To do it her damn self. And her Who moment wouldn't? came at Who a wouldn't? just terrible time. <laughs> at the time that you saw B. Yeah. You know, at Coachella, did you not all of a sudden want to join a damn dance team? All I oh well girl, I I I um angrily pointed my finger at the screen as I watched with my mother and I said, see See what you made me miss out on? I could have been doing this since high school. Did you not want to march in a parade? Oh, girl. I I have this funny story of how in eighth grade, because I was on the drill team at my middle school at T.H. Harris, and um, I thought that our dance moves were rather bland. Mm -hmm. And I took it upon myself to write a letter to our um sponsor our you know the person who the teacher that oversees uh the team yeah. and i said to her i think her name was miss bordelon i wrote a letter to her mm-hmm. asking could we um add some flavor to um the dance moves can we incorporate some culture into these um kind of stiff uh upper v's and things and like you know like i just wanted something else because i'd wanted to be like the girls that i saw in the parades uptown you know but like i went to school in metairie and of course not by choice that was my mother's foresight because it was like i need to bring you to school i work out this everyone this way this is where you're going so um yeah, I, I thought I would just write a letter because, you know, I was a very articulate child and always figured that I can have a reasonable conversation with adults about these sorts of things. Somehow, that letter was perceived as something else. I think she thought that I was um, calling her racist or something. And, so, and I ended up in the principal's office. The so, <laughs> so, my plea to have some kind, to, some kind of... Um, eth- ethnic um inclusion (laughs) in Mm -hmm. our dance moves Mm -hmm. was found to be offensive and um yeah so she couldn't get back at me with like a suspension or whatever like that but when it came time for me to be a captain um my spot was given to a seventh grader so but that's okay though because um the Metis- the Metairie monstrosities, <laughs> I'm not worried about them no more. I'm cool. So, yeah, no, um, stop biting off of our shit. Get your own. Agreed. And, um, Taylor, you have a strong enough team behind you to come up with a whole bunch of creative things. That just was not the wave. Yeah. That that was I think the the think the, the thinking ahead on that one was wasn't good. But um on to bigger and better things. What else is happening in now, the world? Speaking of you being swiped of your your right to be captain, what you had earned, there is this young girl um who's from Mississippi. Um she graduated in Mississippi from a high school there where a white high school student was named the salutatorian mm-hmm. um over her it wasn't that it's just she was 
they were named over her is that they were co-salutatorians. Were they close? Is that because you know there was like that's that's the same. All right, so because I know a story you're talking about. Mm-hmm. There was two instances. I think one last year where there was a young lady who was uh, who had the grade point average, but she was made co valedictorian with this white chick, um, mm-hmm. even though she had earned the spot because she had the higher GPA. And this is in the same school district that they had just recently integrated. Because they had been segregated. So so this in this case, the girl was not named co-salutatorian. She just wasn't named salutatorian at, at all. all. And her and it was given to um the the little white dude who was like um whose GPA was still in that four point oh range, but I think he had like a four point three oh and she had like a four point four one or something. So she should have been salutatorian. Um, okay, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Then and but they uh did uh so the school the backstory on that is like she they took points away from her. Yeah. So um, there was one school in a historically white side of town and one school school in a historically black side of town. Um, and the student had gone to the school that was in the historically black side of town. Mm -hmm. And so when the schools were kind of brought together or merged, she lost, uh, quality points that she had earned when she, um, took courses at the former school where, whereas, um, white students didn't get these same kind of points taken away. Right. So what they did was they merged the um they they forced them to integrate basically. They yeah. um cuz um I forgot what law like how this happened because it was a legal matter that caused the schools to come together because um they in fact I think it was the in the white school district they were they had some discriminatory practices that of course you know they were breaking the law which then led to them having to you know like forced integration of these schools so yeah. the the predominantly black school and the predominantly white school became one school yeah so um in 2000 in i think that was in, that happened in 2018 but to think that we are damn near 2020 <laughs> Like, we have made it this far. But you know what? It doesn't surprise me. Mississippi, goddamn, okay? We like, will be the last. If you, if there's any kind of sign that, you know, discrimination and, you know, disparities are alive and well, you'll find them right there in Mississippi. Hell, you find them here. Of course you find them here. Like, so like, if, like, in terms of, like, something that's blaring it in your face, if you really think that racism and all these other uh-huh. things don't exist, it's there for you to see. Like, I mean, we we are still very much so the, the southern states. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah we Louisiana, are. Mississippi, Alabama, Alabama Florida, Georgia. Georgia. I mm-hmm. mean, they're... Look, they have been Damn, holding Georgia. on to the old ways, the good old boys mentality for as long as they can keep it in their death grip. Mm-hmm. And it is killing a lot of people to mm-hmm. to have to, you know, not be racist I guess and not the, uphold these practices. Yeah, I guess the reason why I got the um, co-valedictorian and this salutatorian stories, you know, kind of mixed up was because... Like with the co-valedictorian story, they were saying the reason why they gave the white student co-valedictorian was because 
basically they didn't want to hurt his feelings. is all I got to say. I mean, to think, honestly, like, you, we know about racism. We know about the sometimes limitlessness of white privilege. But it still, like, hits funny. Like, it's just, it, it just, it really just, like, dumbfounds you sometimes when you see it all in action honestly Mm -hmm. because you mean to tell me that you gave this imaginary honor to this young man to not hurt his feelings but didn't give a single solitary fuck of how that would make the other young lady feel after she embust her ass to earn this coveted spot like to be called the valedictorian y'all didn't care about her feelings and it's like, of course, he worked for his grade point average and everything. Of course, but when of you, course. But when you combine schools and you all go to the school together, the people who rank the highest is who rank the highest. And it's a rank for a reason. Not because of feelings. Like, I'm tired of people pissing in our face and telling us it's rain. So, you know, they decided, okay, so we'll award you your 4.41 um gpa but it does not you know account for the fact that she lost a lot of scholarship opportunities she did i forgot what school she was accepted at that's what she's suing for um yeah because she she is suing because she missed out on there was a a scholarship for salutatorians yeah and because she did not get that title she lost that scholarship which then led to i think like one of you know that school no longer being an option then because of the financial hit you know like all of these things count these our black kids are out here a lot of them are making it happen by any means necessary and to think that they're you know, efforts are being thwarted still by something as simple and stupid and petty as, like, some racist bullshit. Like, no, we not gonna let you have this title. You gotta share it with a white kid. Like, mm-hmm. it it grinds my gears. My gears are currently grinding. Yeah. And it, it seems like the issue goes deeper than that. If there was, like, an issue of, you know, did the class... The, did the classes measure up? I mean, the fact that they they didn't substantiate it with anything, it clearly just says what the problem is. Right, because then I'm thinking, so, and that it kind of reminds me which, of this really stupid argument that everybody likes to have about um, uh, PWIs versus HBCUs. Like, mm-hmm. and, uh, you don't, um, you're not earning the same kind of education at HBCU like versus a PWI. Like, for some odd reason, you think that your education at a white institution has more value than mine at a black institution. Mm-hmm. And so I'm think like I, it made me think of that instantly because it's like so you mean to think you tell me that you probably thought that the classes that she took, um, were not on par. Like they weren't you know that the level that what you would expect to be like something that earned you these extra points. So we're just gonna right. snatch that away because all oh, that's invalid. Right. I it it and in in some cases that may be true, but in a lot of cases it's just not. Yeah, like with this, like yeah. this situation. Um, but yeah, we we not doing the PWI versus HBCU argument because it's stupid. Because um, you HB- can easily do yeah, you yeah. can easily do a, a 
a PWI versus a PWI. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And Easily. you might find the same kind of, you know, differences in quality of education. But just because one is an HBCU and the other is a PWI doesn't mean that one is of a better quality. It's but just not that's true. internalized racism coming out. That's mm-hmm. that's like if you are a black person that really honestly believes that your PWI education trumps the um, HBCU education just by um, virtue of it being like a white institution, you've got to work out your own internalized issues there mm-hmm. because you are just, you know, you're associating whiteness with better. And in this case, in education. Mm-hmm. And you are associating, of course, like um, a lesser experience with blackness. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I can lay lay delve, at the altar and figure that, that out if you want. Child, another episode for another day. We'll never, we'll never get off it because no. on Twitter they never stop. It comes up almost like Christmas every yeah. time you turn around. Somebody then brought that back up, yeah. and it's like. It's like Christmas and herpes. It just keeps coming. Girl, shut up. <laughs> Girl but um, yeah, because I literally, I wanted to go to Spelman, like mm-hmm. with everything. I wanted to be at Spelman. Like the sisterhood there, the education that they were receiving, how I can tell that these girls was going to be ready to be entrepreneurials in the world where who were going to be ready to challenge like society in Mm -hmm. every avenue that you know whatever you know flowed their boat whatever they were interested in that they were going to do well all of i could tell that all of these girls were going to be excellent Mm -hmm. in what they were doing and i wanted that and on top of that i wanted to feel pride about being black and being a black woman Mm -hmm. um so yeah i definitely wanted to go to spelman but the issue just came down to like money Mm mm-hmm but never have I been the person to equate white with better. Right. It's just not it's just not true. Not true. And honestly, I wish those two young ladies the best of luck because they've gotten a taste of what the world offers really early in, in their lives. And uh, I really sincerely pray that at this point, now that, you know, the thin veil has been pulled back and people are being exposed, that every single parent, teacher, all the people that can hold anyone in the administration who would uphold this kind of foolishness, like hold them accountable. I mean, hold them accountable. Take people out of positions that don't need to be in, you know, anything that oversees. It's going to be um, continuous. Yeah, no, it's got, it's It's like. It's going to be a continuous struggle. And I just. Keep fighting. I just salute the students for, for being willing to go through with legal actions to make sure that they receive justice for what they deserved or Mm -hmm. so that things don't happen to them like this in the future which leads to a really good in the future which leads to a really good segue yes into the young lady suing emma effers um one of the students is suing sophie b right yeah because she has you know been banned from walking graduation so so there has been um some updates since the last time we talked about this topic a lot of things have happened a lot of things have happened the uh they rescinded the suspension right so the kids actually served the suspension but they after the five days they decided to rescind it so it's not on their record but they were home for the five days anyway right but um they were permitted to make up the work they missed yeah so um and 
then. Yikes on that. I was like, oh, what the fuck was the point? But I, I get it. I, I don't get it. I don't get it, actually. I have no idea. Yeah. Um. What uh, else happened? Then, some students were allowed to walk. Yes, yeah, so some students have been allowed to walk in graduation. But they had to do community service. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what, that's actually the consequence that we what kind of were like jeffing for yeah early on like community service something that will show them you know they need to be responsible for the actions that they take great mm-hmm. very comparable so some were able to do that and then but there's others who still can't walk exactly so this i think student I, in particular like how many were there um i'm not sure i'll have to see but this student in particular she had only had like one infraction at school ever mm-hmm. before for mm-hmm. like having her phone in class. I mm-hmm. mean, a phone in class. All right. Yeah. And then this incident, and she could not walk. Yeah. So, um, part of the argument is that she is a model student, and this um, infringes upon her. Like, she didn't have a proper course of action. Yes. To um, build up to this. Like, or, or no, like a proper. She didn't. She's saying that the proper channels to um fight against this particular um i don't want to say charge but she she wasn't given the opportunity to defend herself is what she's saying uh, against this consequence yes yeah, so basically she did receive a hearing yeah she she said she received she went to the school board to go to the hearing but at that point they had a um a a, a note on the posted on the door saying that the the suspension had been rescinded and then from that point I, my memory gets foggy of what happened but basically she and her parents and her attorney are saying that she was not given the um oh proper yes. opportunity or the mm-hmm. they before. were supposed to arrange an additional meeting to yeah. discuss, discuss the loss of quote-unquote senior privileges yes and so now she is suing um different members of the administration and, and the school and whatnot i think the uh president the ceo of um whoever runs that charter or whatever like so a couple of people are named in that suit and um i wonder i guess what the outcome of that will be because the school's attorneys feel very confident in the school the actions that the school took um, to reprimand the students, and I, I think that they probably are, you know, mm-hmm. on the more confident side as far as how far this will go. More likely in the school's favor, I guess. And of course, I mean, you would want to attend, you would want your attorneys to be confident. So I'm sure the young lady's attorney is pretty confident as well that they could, excuse me, that they can get it to go in their favor. I mean, um. Yeah, but like I've I've said this before, like the graduation part was it was a bit much. I I can understand maybe taking away the prom, but um for graduation though, that's just like the culmination of all of your hard work throughout high school. Yeah. And for this to be the thing that snatches away your graduation. Like there was one thing though, like cuz when they, uh, that's when I asked how many students there were because they were saying that two of the students who participated didn't even meet the academic requirements in order to walk to begin with Mm -hmm. so they weren't going to graduation from jump street already and then there were some others stuff but um 13 students charged with participating yeah so that's not that many 
Yeah, it was. It's it's unfortunate to me that that there are some who would not get to participate in something as big as graduation. And I hope that this is a teaching moment for the administration as far as how they handle these sorts of things. Because I am in agreement with the whole, you know, thing of kids will be kids. Yeah. Um, But what can you do when kids are kids? When people make stupid mistakes, when they do things and they take it overboard, um, the punishment, I feel, has to match the crime. But the punishment is supposed to also be a teaching moment. Yeah. Every consequence, in my opinion, should be followed up with some sort of lesson. There is no lesson learned in taking away their graduation, I think. Um, prom, sure. Community service, definitely, yes. Clean yeah. up your mess. Um, I think we talked about last time where there was um, one of the people who was injured was a student who um, had a physical disability. Yeah. And so um, just that that was an opportunity to talk about um, ableism, I think. And just um, if, if you're not familiar with ableism, it's, you know, just the... Um, what's the best way to describe ableism? Because ableism is basically... <laughs> why am I blanking? Because I know what ableism is. Tell me, come on. Well, no, so able. I'm trying to think of how to word it or whatever. Because basically, if you're able-bodied, yeah, if you're an able-bodied person, it's your privileges as an able-bodied person, and then like discrimination against those who may have some form of um, mental or physical disability. Okay. And so it's it's. Um, I don't know why I struggled so hard to come up with that, but um, no. But that's that's basically what ableism is, and like you know, that's a form of ableism to. Um, you know, not be mindful of how your actions or what you're doing could affect those who are not in a position to be able to move out of the way fast enough or, you know, whatever the case may be. And yeah. so um, that could have been a teaching moment in itself. But um, no, just to... Just to that, was th- a great, that was a great suggestion you just made. Yeah, I just have to point that out. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I I, I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate that because as a you know, we always think about um, what we face as black people as women, mm-hmm. but we I'm also in the business of acknowledging the areas in which I do have privilege, and I have the privilege of being an able bodied person. Mm-hmm. Therefore, how I move in the world, I have to be mindful of how what I do, what I say, how I can be of assistance to those who may not have the privilege of being able bodied. Yeah. But not in a way that, you know, is kind of like um you know, uh like, oh, woe is you because you don't have like you can't walk or you can't do this or whatever the case may be it's not in that kind of way it's it's definitely an an empowering thing so how can we empower that student who was embarrassed because of what happened how can these students learn from this Mm -hmm. i would make them sit in front and as and it wouldn't be a punishment i wouldn't frame it as a punishment this is just a part of how we're going to use this as a That's lesson. A yeah. And so I would have them sit in front of that student and let that student explain what that experience was like for them. Have Teach them something from this. Do not just dole out punishments and be the, you know, the hammer and the law and all that kind of stuff. Because mm-hmm. there's enough stuff up against our black kids 
without you actively participating in being a barrier to their success you know like let's not do that so um but that's just me very good i get so so boxy (laughs) sometimes not all the times not all the times but um why don't we go ahead and take a break and we will be right back Okay, we are back from our little break, and so why don't we hop into um, a topic we were going to talk about last week, uh, have we recorded, but um, why not continue to just go on and beat a dead horse? Sure. So, um, everybody was talking about, um, at least, was it last week or was it the week before, but anyway, one of our uh, local bounce artists... Um, Re-Up Reading had um, gotten in a bit of trouble because she placed her five-year-old in a lift to send him to school. And the lift driver then brought that child to the police station because uh, I guess they were concerned about the fact that, uh, you know, a mom just let her kid get into a lift with... With a complete stranger. Yeah, so um, thoughts? Yeah, I just think it's a little weird that she, it's just weird. Like, I I can imagine that maybe how she was looking at it was like, okay, so a bus comes to pick my child up. I put my child on the bus. The bus drops my child off. This is an adult that I don't know, but I put them in there. It's a transportation system. And so, yeah, it's legit. So I think maybe she just thought that this lift was you know, just as much of a legit transportation for her five-year-old and that she didn't have to be present. Yeah, I mean, I I can see how in some other alternate universe logic that, yo, I'm just making sure my kid gets to school. But on the other hand, there's the part of me that is just bothered by the fact that, the, you know, it's not like it's a 13-year-old, 14-year-old yeah, going. Yeah, because I know it's, people who do that, too, who, like, right. their older child will be able to do that on their own, and it's fine. Right, and I wouldn't see any issues. Like, say, if you have a teenager that you're sending in a Lyft to something, that that's fine. And of course, you know, with Lyft and with Uber, um, I, I, I don't fuck with Uber anymore, though. Um, you can monitor, you know, like you can literally watch the little car go to the destination. You're tracking it um, right. the whole way through. But, like, a five-year-old is a baby to me still. A five-year-old Definitely. is still way too little to even be out of my eyesight for too long. Like, mm-hmm. I... I I understand how, because I saw like like the outrage from a lot of people, and I mean particularly parents. Parent folks were not happy. This is this. Parent folks were like, "Yo, what the fuck is wrong with you?" And understandably so. Like I, I get that that side of things because it's just like, "Yo, I can't even imagine letting like." Hell, some people don't let their thirteen and fourteen year olds out of their sight. Okay. You know, like it's it's a rough world out there, and um, I I would be terrified. Yeah. And so I I was like, yo, this this wasn't this wasn't wise. But I think the judge was um really excellent in throwing out those charges and practicing the law in a way that actually does more help than harm yeah, because I think it would have been really harmful for her to yeah. be away from her child because of like to of, go th- of a of a mistake she needed to learn 
yeah the law basically yeah and so it's like i think that you know to implement it in a way that it was like okay so what's purpose would this serve if you if you had to go through all these court proceedings and stuff like that and like it wasn't a um serious offense i think she was charged with but um still like fines uh possibility of however you know much jail time that could have been on the table all like stuff like that he's like you know what I understand that you what you were trying to do is send your kids to school, but don't do it like that again. I just feel like she <laughs> she's old enough. She's twenty seven. Mm-hmm. She shouldn't. She honestly should know better. She should. And I and I think that I and I'm sorry about it, but I think that she just was being. I don't know. I don't know if she didn't have money or if she was just being lazy. Well, she had to have money because she had to pay the lift person who did uh like they accepted that 14 i think it was like 14 dollars and some change like they took the child <laughs> they took I it i can imagine it would be like it. something between four to eight and 14 dollars yeah it was for she posted the but screenshot imagine she would have had to go there and come back that would have been 28 you know what i'm saying so maybe she didn't have that much what i don't to know send to him? Take, yeah to send the child yeah no she would have Oh, to come to ride back with her. Yeah, she'd have to ride with her child and then ride back home. I'm sure she had thirty bucks on. But I'm just like, what? Why? You can't be that that nonchalant about your child. So I, they're different parenting styles, and I I have to think this thought out before I really go into it. So this is probably going to be another topic for another day. But I've noticed that just um in certain settings you know different different ways of parenting and so a lot of kids are kind of kind of thrust into more um responsibility and maybe exposed to things a little bit sooner than say I agree kids who are in more privileged and sheltered positions to, so like so it, it probably also has some something to do with your upbringing as well yeah so a lot of us as little tots when schools used to be in the neighborhood we mm-hmm. used to walk to school and so walk home yeah and i mean just with my my mom specifically um oh my gosh like sh- shelter as a motherfucker like she wasn't letting you know she was monitoring everything, but she also had the resources to make sure that she can monitor everything. Mm-hmm. She could, um, she has a car. She had two cars at her disposal. So we get into school one way or another. Mm-hmm. She has a job that permits her to bring me to school and mm-hmm. my brother. Mm-hmm. She, you know, like, so I think that the, all of those sorts of things play into it and that it doesn't mean the parent cares any less, mm-hmm. but they, the way that they, formulate what's okay and what's not okay and all that kind of stuff is based on their environmental experiences that then you know it's just kind of like and that's not to say that just because you're from the hood you automatically gonna put your five-year-old in the lift <laughs> and send them to I school i just would not put my five-year-old in a lift I but wouldn't. i think that sometimes that informs people's decision making because it's like my child has to get to school and I, right now i might not have the means to bring them myself so yeah. i'm gonna make sure that they go 
Um, but some parent would be like, I don't care what the hell is happening. I ain't letting, you just might miss school that day. Right. But then that's a problem. Right. And so now you got truancy, but you know, it's, it's a whole bunch of shit that goes into everything. And I, I, I know every time you don't have to go into this kind of complex analysis of why people do all the things they do because sometimes the decisions are just you know they were really wise or they're really stupid you know it just varies by situation but in this particular case i I can't lie to you we we really need parenting classes in our communities oh yeah and this is just one of like the one of the more mild examples of why yeah because i mean just an aside i have a problem with little like little 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 kids dancing the bounce music you do like little like i mean some of it's like first and foremost like the content of the music mm-hmm. that bothers me because i know eventually because we've all heard like i mean i grew up listening to bounce music too so i was like as at, at summer camp in saint monica and i was like seven or whatever like that trying to tie up my shirt yeah. and like pounce with the rest of them and stuff and of course you know like the, the camp council's coming and snatching us up or whatever but um i was you know like of course the content so you're going to be exposed to that that's new orleans but yeah. like i was watching something and it was just I forgot where they were, but I'm like, you know, I'm listening to it and I'm like, this is okay for me to listen to, but that's a, she's six and she don't need to know about nothing about bouncing on no fucking dick. Right. Like, of course she doesn't understand yeah, that, 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 but, there's that, but can we have some boundaries? Can we have baby bounce? N- now I would, I would <laughs> be an advocate for baby bounce. I would, I would not, I'm not an advocate for like, I don't have a problem with little kids doing bounce. You know, but but yeah, the okay. lyrics, lyrics and yeah. language is appropriate. Um, is important. Yeah, should be appropriate. You're right. Because the the dancing itself, I'm not thinking even so much like the dancing is the prop. I think some moves, sure. So if it's a little baby bouncing their butt or whatever like that, I'm like it's, it's whatever. But mm-hmm. some of it, like so, like just if you watch that video, I was I felt like super uncomfortable. It went beyond just like you know a little girl dancing the bounce music because again we all was dancing the bounce music when we were little. It was just kind of like yo, this is not intended for her. This yeah. right here, this particular type of bounce music, this um, th- this particular move. Stuff like that, no, ma'am. Yeah, no, ma'am. Get your ass up. <laughs> like at some point, at some point, we go in between. Like what's what's more social? Because mm-hmm. like in New Orleans, bounce is a very social thing. Like when bounce music comes on, we all dance. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I had a party bus. Mm-hmm. It's a social thing. Um, but sometimes it can drift over into something that's a little bit more exploitative and sexual. Sometimes yes. with yes. some some movements and even with some of the music i can say and so i can i can i think i get your point like why way. can't the babies just listen to the the get higher thing and just do, 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 do. Yeah. like just let that be their thing and do the little elbow rock that we was doing in 2005 yeah. like let them have that every every bounce song that i've heard within recent years has to do with sex yeah like i think, I think that's just the error we error we are in i think not enough people are making bounce with different creative outlooks yeah that and that's my thing it's just like i'm not saying that babies can't listen to bounce i'm saying that there needs to be bounce music for babies yeah because i can't bounce. fan 
family-friendly bounce. Like, DJ Jubilee, come out with something. Okay, so, uh, yeah, this is take two. Because um, when your phone is on Do Not Disturb while you're trying to record, it only, uh, I discover now, does not disturb you if you um if your phone is locked i guess is that how that works i have no idea it will disturb you if you are on your phone it will not disturb you if your phone's locked perfect it's just a disturbance because i don't understand how it works <laughs> either way we are back and we were finishing off on the thought of there needs to be some baby bounce music some music that's appropriate for kids mm-hmm. that's just that's that's my last bit on that we need family bounce okay that's that's it so and I, I I know we took a hard right from talking about uh, Reedy and and getting arrested to talking about um, the uh, implications of letting children listen to listen to sexually explicit music at five. But I mean, hey, here we are. So um, last but not least, um, let's wrap things up with this recent ban. Uh, that Facebook is doing with uh, people that they consider extremists um, or people who promote um, dangerous, as they called it, um, rhetoric, anti-Semitic rhetoric, um, racist rhetoric, things of that nature. So um, among the people that Facebook just recently banned from both Facebook and Instagram, because Facebook owns Instagram, um, were Milo Yiannopoulos, of course, um, he's absolute trash, Alex Jones, and Alex Jones's news outlet InfoWars, mm. and Louis Farrakhan. Um, so they, these are among people who are among the list of folks that uh, Facebook has recently banned because of the comments, any comments that they have made, if they've violated any of Facebook's um, guidelines as far as, or their community guidelines as far as uh, the kind of content that they share and they Mm -hmm. spread, those sorts of things. And so um, the, you know, Alex Jones and Infowars with the conspiracy theories and I mean, he was one of the people who pushed forth the idea that Sandy Hook's San, the the Sandy Hook shooting was a hoax. Um, Milo Yiannopoulos is is like, um, and both of them are blatant, like blatantly racist, anti-Semitic, all of these things. Um, and as far as Farrakhan is concerned, um, he's been grouped into this band because they said that he's also made anti-Semitic remarks. Right. Um, so I know that there, as far as like Alex Jones and Milo Yiannopoulos is pretty cut and dry, but I know that there's probably, um, some people who are looking at Farrakhan's ban as, um, like maybe like an attack against the nation of Islam or blackness or something. And I'm going to be 100% honest. I don't know every comment that, that Farrakhan has said. Yeah, so that's bef- why it's hard for me to like anything on it like really yeah i don't i don't feel you know like i don't even know like how to even look it up because you know farrakhan been around since been around so i'm i'm wondering i don't know what kind of content i didn't even know that he was not like it's like his personal page but obviously there's some kind of um I don't want to say even fan page, but you know how celebrities and big um, figures, they will have a public page. Right. 
And so um, I don't know what kind of content is on that page or the Nation of Islam's page that prompted Facebook to look into it and say, okay, well, we're going to uh, loop you in here with Milo Yiannopoulos and and Alex Jones. Um, But... um, yeah, I know, I know that's from what I've seen so far, because this is just like re- within like the last day or so that this has happened. Um, I've seen definitely um, there's going to there's starting to be like a couple of people, folks who are not mm-hmm. pleased because you're saying that he fits in a group that promotes violence that is anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. I think they were saying that they, there was some anti-Semitic remarks. Yes. Yes. That he's anti-Semitic and that. um I guess I guess that promotes hate against other groups of people. Yes. So it's like anybody who they consider to be a hate monger um or someone who definitely promotes violence, I think that you know they were looped into that. And um I'm interested I just want to see the commentary cuz I know a think piece is coming. Someone is furiously typing away on their laptop as we speak to come up with why Farrakhan should not be banned from Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I want to read it. I w- I want to know I would I cuz I feel like Farrakhan's always been a controversial figure. I mean, I know that he's made some comments I think before. Some he said something and I can't remember what it was, but he said something in regards to um womanhood and i know like they often will speak like highly of women but in this particular instance it was something that just rubbed me the wrong way and i was like okay so i'm not necessarily a fan um but otherwise you know he's been um very pro-black and so um yeah i don't i don't know of what specific commentary they're speaking of and that's not to you know say i'm like trying to protect Farrakhan per se but but I, I, I actually I, I don't know what he said you like know, just something mentioned on CNN about um something he said during a speech that was considered anti-semitic he said um white folks are going down and Satan is going down and Farrakhan by God's grace has pulled the cover off of that satanic Jew and I'm here to say your time is up and your world is through oh yeah that's that's anti-Semitic. Yes, that would be. That is, that falls into the category of anti-Semitic. Um, surreal. Well, yeah. Um, and then it also interesting enough. Um, he also said in the video, "The powerful Jews are my enemy." Mm. He also had said, he quoted some context by, um, President Richard Nixon. Oh, well. That's mm-hmm. interesting. I mean, honestly, I so this is something that I've I've noticed uh with with a lot of people. Um, whether it be comments like that or if it's um comments such as um you know, in reference to the Jewish community always sticking together, always keeping their money in house and those sorts of things, which are inherently I think, um anti-semitic because they uh push forth a certain stereotype about jewish people mm-hmm. um there's a lot of misconceptions and a lot of ignorance around um 
the Jewish community as a whole, which is expansive. There's different types of Judaism, different, you know, paths that people follow and whatnot, um, from conservative to Hasidic to, you know, like non-practicing Jew, Jewish individuals who identify as Jewish more so like within like in the ethnicity kind of mm-hmm. branch of things. So like there, there's just, it's a lot to it that I feel that a lot of people do not understand, but because we have used, you know, really gross stereotypes about that community that, um, you know, uh, people just, of course, roll with that because that's what we've been socialized to believe about that community. And so, you know, as a, as an oppressed community ourselves, um, uh, some of whom may, there may, you know, obviously they're probably black people who practice, um, Judaism and whatnot. So like, you know, I think that as it always is, is important to me, is pertinent to me that if you are an oppressed community within a, you know, marginalized community to also be mindful of, you know, the ways in which you might be perpetuating certain stereotypes and things about other communities, you know, you, you, you just being by, you know, by virtue of being a, minority does not then give you the right to then be an asshole about another minority or you know a certain group Hmm. that's that's my belief so um like seriously like i know that i've had to correct people one of my biggest pet peeves is when people try to do an asian accent to uh imitate the women that they you know who do the their nails and in the shops and stuff like that and I've corrected people, and I'll, I'll like I will give you a dirty look. I will tell you stop that. Like I will I will, I will be the killjoy in the situation because the fuck it's not funny, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like doing it, doing an Asian accent is not funny. That's if you wouldn't appreciate a white person coming up to you and sounding like fucking Malibu's most wanted, you know, in a joking manner. How do you think that that Asian person would feel of you mocking their accent when who knows what, you know, it took for them to even make it over here in the first place and then to go and try and learn English. And I'm sure that everybody who speaks English now or whatever like that didn't get to go and sit in, you know, like an English like language arts, some sort of class to learn it. A lot of people learned it on the fly. And so they're bilingual. They have an advantage over you, <laughs> like, you know, and stuff like that. But you over here kikiing because their L's and their R's don't sound like what, you know, because of the accent. They switch them up a bit. Hmm. Like, come on, y'all. Come on. <laughs> come on. Like, this is a sidebar. I don't think I, I am. I am. I am not interested in low-hanging fruit comedy. If you got a punch mm. down for your jokes, and they're not even cleverly thought out, it's just blatantly racist, blatantly ignorant, blatant, like, just stupid, then it's not funny. Then, you know, you need to, like, get your game up. Step your shit up. Because, like, you are... It's just you... It's just lame. It's lame. Punch punch down comedy, low-hanging fruit comedy is not comedy, it's lazy. There's too much material out here that's funny as fuck to do that. And sometimes, and it's like, this is not to say that, oh, some, you know, groups or people are off limits to comedy. It's mm-hmm. how you do it. 
we could tell like there's some comedians or whatever like that. I forgot who this guy who was who did stand up or whatever like that. But I think he's um, Indian American. Mm-hmm. Either I think he's in he's either Indian American. I forgot, but he did a, scan, a stand-up on Netflix, and I just remember how he talked about his experiences being a brown person in America and, like, navigating all that. And the shit was funny, but you didn't. he didn't have to punch down on anything. Yeah. You know, like, it was just, there's ways to do it. But if all you can do is be like, oh, you know what, I'm gonna, like, make jokes about the women who do my pedicures... If that's funny to you, ooh, uh, we we don't ride on the same train, fam. Like that's that's my opinion on that. How did we get here? We are terrible at staying on track. How did we? But I did I did preface that by saying that it was a sidebar. It is definitely a sidebar. But we were talking about Farrakhan being banned from Facebook and Instagram. And his anti-Semitic remarks. And his anti-Semitic remarks. Oh, well, yeah. No, I mean, it it kind of... I think we segued on everything, basically, like, into something else that could be a related topic. Yeah. I, as, you know, we develop leaders in the world. I think that our leaders need to be more cognizant of lumping people into a box. And when they have an argument about about something, it needs to be... It needs to be well framed, mm-hmm. well thought out, well explained, so it's not confused like this. Like now, I'm not trying to like Jeff or Farrakhan because what he was saying was very direct and it's very clear. And pr- I'm pretty sure that his remarks have been consistent in that way. Mm-hmm. But like I was just looking at some of the stuff that this Alex Jones person was saying, and it seems like he goes back and forth between stuff like like anti-Semitic remarks that are like generalized mm-hmm. and stuff that's very sp- specific and about an imbalance in power. And yeah, so, Alex Jones is terrible. Terrible. I don't know him. Terrible. You if you if you don't know him, ask about him. That that motherfucker is a horrible human being. Like honestly. Well, all right then. He's horrible. But what I'm saying is, you know, forget him. And even, let's not even worry about Farrakhan, but just for our leaders who are coming up, I think a lot of us don't realize the power of words mm-hmm. and aren't very specific about the words that we choose mm-hmm. and how they tend to frame what we're saying and how they can, like, I don't know, can can garner hate, basically. Yeah, well, I think that the people who listen to Milo Yiannopoulos and Alex Jones, they're specifically coming to that, you know, that particular content for the purposes of, um, you know, emboldening their their rage and their hate and their distrust of of black people, brown people, Jewish people, um, you know, like people in in positions of power like this. The craziest thing about a lot of the right wing Republican folks is that they they don't seem to trust government and yet they trust government. Like it's just so, it's so so weird to me. It's like a walking, talking contradiction. But um, again, nothing about the far right makes any sense and, and it never will. But I mean, that's what they that's what they rocking with basically. Yeah. That's their thing. So 
Yeah, no, I think, you know, I commend Facebook for taking this this step because we've had issues with both Facebook, um, Instagram, and Twitter with how they monitor what kind of content is on these sites. Yeah. And, like, they'll quickly shut down some, you know, pro-black shit, but they will not have that same vigor in their, you know, kind of attacks on people who are being blatantly racist. Yeah. And, like, there was so just... I am proud of that. Yeah. There's it somebody does, on It does Facebook scare me a little that... What? That if, you know, say, for example, if something, a group that is pro-black, if there's enough framing of them in a negative light as a hate group that they'll get the same response from Facebook. I think that the whole Farrakhan part of it, even though what he said was anti-Semitic, I feel like the argument here is going to be that there is a slippery slope. Yeah. And that's not, again, that's not to say that what he said was not anti-Semitic. That's to say that, um, because he, I mean, like, you think about Farrakhan in in other settings, and I mean, he did, he spoke at, he was at Aretha's funeral and he was like, you know, he's a public figure that has been uh, well received in a lot of positive spaces as mm-hmm. well. Whereas people like Alex Jones and Milo Yiannopoulos have been, you know, that their thing is racism. Their thing is xenophobia. Like they're, that's their whole thing. And then, so, you know, Farrakhan has made uh, very tasteless remarks and then, but, on say maybe majority of the time he's saying something positive so then it's i guess maybe the question is well where do you stop the ball i guess and um where's the line drawn and i'm i'm curious to just see what what the what is going to look like because i have um i'm sure there's a couple of people that i follow who have some comments on farrakhan being banned and i'm curious i just would love to read yeah, because I feel like there's a hashtag already starting or a meme going around like says as I am Farrakhan, and mm-hmm. uh, um, so I'm um, I I'm just I want to know what the people are saying. I want to know what the people are saying. But uh, other than that, I'm I think that that's pretty much that wraps it up for me. I don't. Only other thing that's interesting to me right now at this point is what's going on with these presidents. That should be our next episode. We should. I mean, we we said we we're going to talk about mental health stuff, but at some point, I would like to talk about current feelings regarding the um, d- current Democratic pool of contenders. Mm-hmm. Because Elizabeth Warren is out here, you know, like sounding off the Jamaican air horn. Like oh. <laughs> um, she is out here telling you that she is out. You know, she has a plan, and she has plans for the plan like i love when someone has some sort of plan or policy Mm -hmm. and they can explain it to you in the most straightforward way there is just like this is how i want to fix the student loan debt crisis this is how we're going to get it done don't ask me how we're going to pay for it it's right here on paper i explained it now if you continue to try and figure out and say that oh i don't know how we're gonna pay you can't use that argument she gave you how she's gonna pay for it Mm -hmm. it's the money is there so um so yeah no she's she's out here firing warning shots um kamala is being ran up on in the uh, airport by um conservative women or whatever like that and she put her finger in her face and i mean kamala wouldn't have been wrong to punch a dead in her shit because it was she was right here in her face i mean like it was a threat so um 
uh, of course Kamala's not going to do that but I mean if she would have swatted her hand mm-hmm. you know she would have been in the right because uh that lady got beside herself what else is going on um Pete Gutenberg I think is his name is whoever is on his team is trying to pander to black people and if they learned nothing from last this last go round with Hillary and that fucking hot sauce in her bag girl do not pander to us we don't care that you are in this black owned restaurant in dc with uh um who was he with jesse jackson mm-hmm. i feel like he was no he was with al sharpton he was with al sharpton in this restaurant eating fried chicken they, they it was, the tweet says you know having lunch with al sharpton and it wasn't him who tweeted it wasn't from his direct camps page but it was someone else a reporter who was I, they had a photograph of him and he had greens and macaroni and fried chicken and while all of these things together are delicious if you could see my face they are absolutely again, a divine combination of dining items however the the optics of you sitting here in this restaurant with Al Sharpton eating this black ass um plate of food is not boding well with the people that you are trying to win over because it's offensive and it is you know a gross misunderstanding of what appeals to black people if you can't catch the tone of what's happening right now and you think that you are going to win us over by simply being, you know, like hanging out with the people that we have respect for, and some people have respect for, and um, eating our fine cuisine, then you are sadly mistaken. You are going to lose terribly. <laughs> like, do not do the... We get it. You're the everyday man. Like, they had another one of him riding on the subway. Sir. No. I mean, we get, you know, who's not doing all that right now? I mean, or who, you know, what's his name? My dude, Beto, 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 Rourke. He ran in Texas and lost to that, um, who looks like the fucking, uh, what's that, what is that serial killer? He looks like, he looks like a serial killer? Yeah, but what is it, what is it? Ah, I can't remember the serial killer's name. Is but it Ted Bundy? No, he doesn't look like Ted Bundy. He looks like the guy who was in California strangling people. Oh. Uh, not the astrology killer. What's another way to say stuff about astrology? The Zodiac killer. Zodiac killer. He looks like the fucking <laughs> Zodiac killer. <laughs> That's who he looks like. But yeah, um, yeah, he looks like the Zodiac killer. But, uh, no, Beto is very much so, like, he's always given that vibe of being the everyday kind of guy. But he's not, you know, kind of um, doing it through the, let me take a picture of me riding the subway or take a picture of me riding in my van. You know, like, not that he's not aware of that, I'm sure. But it's not so, like, obvious. Whereas whoever is in Pete's camp is like, yeah, we're going to do these really stereotypical attempts at trying to, you know, like, get black people and the everyday man on your side, Mm -hmm. and it's backfiring. So whoever is on that end of the things, not that I'm, like, on his camp right now. I'm not on anybody's camp. I'm waiting to see what what the people got to offer me. Um, But, yeah, no, he's... uh, 
he's doing it wrong. He's doing it wrong. He needs to, he needs to take a step back and revisit that. Cause I think also he seems like a very centrist Democrat, yeah. but again, this is a topic that we can get on and on and on and on. So I'm, 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 I'm going to hop off right now, but, yes, um, get off it. yes, but, um, for now, to get out of here. we have to go. I have to go and get some sleep because I'm going to Jazz Fest. Yay! I'm going to Jazz Fest and then I'm going to see Patience after. I need to get into Jazz Fest this weekend. And so, to do it. Yeah, we're going to go and live our best lives, living our lives like they are golden. So we hope that you guys are blessed and not stressed. I hope you got a chance to vote for Shagadelic. For the Essence Fest competition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so prayers up. And, uh, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. Alright. So, we getting out of here. Sorry for being a week late, y'all. We love y'all. We Josephine. We Josephine.